Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. So let's come around the Word of God together. In Psalm uh, 23 on our screen is going to appear a scripture, and then we'll pray, and then Cynthia can rest her fingers. And this is verse 3 to 6, uh, but verse 1 uh, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want um, He makes me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And on our screen, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Everyone say enemies. It's a weird word to repeat. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love this shepherding psalm. You could debate that Psalm 22, 23, and 24 are a package of these shepherding psalms, these these moments where we get an insight into how God moves towards us. Us, but this moment of overflow is is a little bit different to other references that we have of overflow in Malachi and the Gospels, even different letters in Corinthians and, and Timothy. This is a moment where we get a truth, and the truth is that even in valleys, even surrounded by enemies, God has the ability to overflow out of you. Even when the interest rate is coming close to 17.5%, which is the high in the 90s, so we're not there quite yet, even when work is challenging, even when some bills have appeared, God has the ability not just to meet your needs when things are easy and calm and mountaintops, God has the ability to overflow in all circumstances. In fact, the church has always been called, and God's people have always been called, to be a tribe that overflows his blessing, a group of people that are light in darkness, that are salt when the world needs it. And I want to bring us around some thoughts this morning. And even if we jump over to the next psalm, um, it's not on the screen, but it's right here. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And down on verse uh, 4, it says, Uh, Verse 3, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, those with clean hands and pure hearts, and that do not lift their soul to an idol or by swear by what is false. So who may ascend the hill of the Lord, those with clean hands, their actions are good, with pure hearts, intentions are good, that don't swear by what is false, and that do not uh, worship any idol. So these are inward and outward things, saying these are the people that can ascend the mountain of the Lord or stand in his presence. And the mountain of the Lord, the best thing, that happens in a mountain is not sweat, is not your Achilles tendon breaking. The best thing about a mountain is the view that you get. You cannot fake ascending the hill of the Lord because you see differently when you get up there. Your perspective completely changes. And when I enter God's presence, my identity completely changes. And we we came around this psalm two weeks ago in church life. I want to encourage you this morning, church, you can't fake overflow. You can't fake mountain views. You can't clap enough times or lift your hands at the right moments in the bridge that is going to replace what it is to have clean hands, to have a pure heart, to not worship any idol, to not swear by what is false. And then it finishes this psalm that uh, 
Lift up your heads, you ancient gates. Lift up your head, you, uh, your doors, and let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle is what the NLT says. And it's saying, God's people, lift your attention and focus on what is above. Change your view. Change your perspective. Have clean hands. Have a pure heart. Be someone that the shepherd can actually pour into. And then it finishes with, lift up your heads, you ancient gates. Lift up your head, you ancient doors. And let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? Jesus. This is a psalm pointing to the great shepherd. This is a psalm telling us, no matter what your season, no matter what your circumstance, you are graced by him to overflow so that other people may have a drink in the wilderness so that other people may get peace in storms, so that other people can see how giants fall when Jesus sends his people. That when cancer has to buckle at the knees, and when everything that is seen has to bow at what is unseen. The church is called not to be a place that is greedy little piggies getting more and more every Sunday. My wife shook her head because when I speak in my normal language at church, it shocks people. We're called to be people that overflow, that pour out before we become stale, that pour out before we evaporate, pour out before we just get gluttonous and take more and more and more. In every season, you are called and I am called to overflow with the goodness of God that shows who our King really is. Let me pray for us this morning and we'll get into this thing if that's okay with you. Holy Spirit, you are able. Even in our weakness, you are able. Even in our valleys, you are able. Even with our wounds and our mistakes, you are able. And I pray this morning, Jesus, that we would lean into the unseen. That we would not give or live or walk with you based off what we can naturally get or receive, but we would live with eternity in mind because Jesus you are enough and to know you is enough and to walk with you is enough so we pray this morning god that you would take us on a journey to be the type of people that don't just take blessing for ourselves but truly pour it in to those that you have called us to reach would you have your way this morning would you speak to us in jesus name a faith-filled church said amen, amen. thank you cynthia you may be seated and rest your fingers. Azar is on the screen. Do you see him? Azar Raskin, born February 1st, 1984. The 80s were good years to be born or to have babies, I assume. I was born in the 80s. In the 80s, babies in the room. Oh, how good was it? can't remember. I was there for five weeks, but they were good. They were good five weeks. Love them so very much. Um, Azar is actually uh, known as a human computer interface expert. In other words, what he does is he helps humans to interact with technology, interact with technology and computers well. So he helps with interfaces so that you know how to use social media or helps design the internet. He is an expert and his dad, in fact, helped to design the original Macintosh computer. And at the age of 22, Azar invented, he designed something that is questionably the most horrific thing that was ever designed ever. 
Sometimes when I preach, people say that the example of the people that I use always seem to be men, but most of the time I villainize them, so I don't know what you want me to do. Um, Azar designed a thing called the Infinite Scroll. At the age of 22, he made it possible for social medias and the internet, instead of you getting to the bottom of a page and choosing to go to the next page, he designed an algorithm and an interface that allows you to scroll on your device forever. So if you go on Instagram or TikTok, you just can scroll and scroll and scroll your life away. And at this point, Azar has a significant regret in his invention. In fact, he has multiple businesses and companies trying to counteract his invention as a 22-year-old. And he calculates that every single day, 200,000 lifetimes are wasted because of his invention. For context, that is 14 million years. Every day, he estimates, he has destroyed in humanity. Because we can sit there on our phone and instead of reflecting on our day, we can scroll until we have, I don't know, another dopamine hit, another dopamine hit, another dopamine hit. And there's so many different surveys and things that that help us understand the consequences of this, this invention and the consequences of social media. There's very basic things of... <laughs> Anxiety and depression and blue light exposure so you can't sleep, which affects your relationships. There's a lack of patience. There's a lack of focus. There's again and again diagnosable conditions that without the invention of the infinite loop would lay dormant in the lives of people. But because of this invention, because of this design, because of this idea that originally was just, it saves people having to click another button, I'll just let them do this, and they can be like a king, cutting off heads and just in control of it. Like there was, there was this idea that it would be a good thing, but in reality, this design created an endless appetite for more. And it's not like every single video is amazing when it's happening, but you get a little hit and you're guaranteed, if I I swipe enough, there's an algorithm working here that's going to give me another little hit, and I swipe a bit more and another little hit, but it never ends. What I want to share with us this morning, the title of today's message is simply, Enough is Enough. And how to be someone... And how to be someone that knows how to live a life that is designing a life for overflow. Instead of just an appetite to consume more, to have another hit, to have another hit, to have another hit, to have another hit, to know as a Christian what designs have God, has God put in place if we will follow them that would allow us not just to consume and stay stale, to come back for another thing because of tradition, but to be someone that needs input because we have inbuilt output. And to actually be a Christian that knows this is enough for me now to share with my workplace. This is enough now for me to share the gospel. This is en- I've got enough to actually do something with it. And often in, in, in life, if we don't pour out, and this could even be Sunday services, you could come to church for a little bit more. Another little swipe, another little moment, another little moment. But are we intentionally pouring out what God is saying or are we just leaking everywhere? 
that my life is unorganized, my work is chaotic, and I haven't, I haven't spoken to someone about my workplace and my boss and my relationships with authority and my marriage is struggling, and this is happening, and I just leak out everything that God pours in. And we have to keep on coming back. We have to get another encouragement from a connect leader. We need another anointing service. Please give me another vision Sunday and dangle the carrot of what is next in front of me. But the calling of the church is to let God pour into you in such a way that you would able to be a vessel to pour out to someone else, no matter the season, no matter the state, no matter what's going on, no matter the drama, no matter the news, no matter whether you're surrounded by enemies or on a great mountaintop, to be someone that knows how to overflow the things of God, that he would not only meet your needs, but he would exceed them. So this morning, I just want to look at Proverbs uh, 30. It's on our screen. This proverb is by uh, Agar. This is a a Gentile proverb. This is not uh, written by Solomon. This gives us a perspective, and this is actually the proverb that Jesus quotes when he uh, says the This is how you should pray. So we'll go to this. Uh, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Also, this is the only prayer in Proverbs. Uh, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. So don't refuse me. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And the second thing, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Look at us all say things together. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I don't have enough time to unpack Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and the prayer and and what daily bread is and all of those things. But if we look through all of Scripture, there are these moments where God does give his people enough for the day. But you will often find through scripture, and I would dare say more often, God's people overflow. A prophet stands up with a word of God that changes a nation. A widow gives an offering that changes the course of Jesus's burial. Again and again, there are moments through scripture and they far outweigh the just meeting your needs moments where someone that is willing to overflow the things of God, God pours in. That he's looking for willing people, faithful people, passionate people, people that want more of him, but those people cannot keep it to themselves. Those people give it out. And God finds faithful people to be in narrow high and to pour their life out. God finds faithful people in the hospital to bring life and hope and future when people are in their most broken. God finds faithful people to shop at Aldi. Ugh, disgusting. Um, Sorry if that's you. Um, He finds people to go into the darkest places in our city, Aldi. Um, Sorry, that just made me do too much work, and I don't want that in my life. Um, Who shops at Aldi? I'll pray for you after the service. There's a lot of hands there. Know the room, Joel. Know the room. I get all of my stuff directly from farmers. From Dave Jackson. I meet him out of that field and he hands me things and then we do some more videos. I, fi- I filmed that. No, I didn't. Um, there's this moment where this prayer of someone that is actually not in relationship with God, Proverbs 30, has this thought, I don't want too much and I don't want too little. But the fact is, often God gives you too much or you have too little. And you have to, it's a nice prayer. God, meet my needs every single day. Make it absolutely perfect. Just enough. I'm fulfilled. There's no challenge. But that's a nice prayer. It's really great. Um, I want to overflow. 
I want to overflow so that I can be generous to my neighbors. I want to overflow so that I can have a generational blessing because I chose to be faithful with what God placed in my hands instead of just pouring it out at Macca's every single day. I want to be someone that is so faithful with the things of God that when he is looking to give his things, he chooses me. So of course I'm going to pour to you because you pour to that person, because you look after that widow, because you give and help tailor, not that tailor, that tailor, because our church will be a church that actually overflows the things of God. And to know when we've got enough for us, now let's do something more. So the what this morning is enough is enough. The why simply on the screen is that satisfaction is attainable via design. If the infinite scroll did not exist and you got to the end of your page, you'd be like, I did it. I achieved the goal. I looked at 10 videos. It was amazing. I have done it. It is all completely over. But because the design is to be never satisfied, because the design is to always just want more and more and more and more and more compared to you and more compared to you, If we live our Christian faith like that, we will always find ourselves unable to give to someone else because the design of our life is not one of giving, it is one of taking. Not the God that we serve is one of that, but the gospel that is presented to us of people that will walk out the ways of God, not just say the right things, but walk out the ways of God. When we don't follow that design... Our overflow becomes, it has to be a moment where God gives me a big, it better be a big financial provision if I'm going to give anything to anyone. And we have awesome scriptures that tell us if we're faithful with a little, we'll be faithful with more. But the fact is, it's sometimes easier to be faithful with a little. When you've got $10, it's pretty easy to give it a small ass $10. But, but when God gives you more, will you continue to live a life that follows his design? Is your generosity capped when you first gave your life to Jesus and thought about tithing or thought about being generous to your parents for the very first time with your paycheck? Or does, do you follow a design that grows and grows in overflow, that grows in an energy overflow, that, that grows in a prayer overflow, that, that grows in worship and giving and believing and speaking encouragement over each other? Are we growing in those things? And if we live a life that follows a better design, maybe we'll actually be able to be satisfied by the things of God, but also help people far from Him. On the screen, a few verses down in Proverbs 30 uh, is a pretty, pretty awesome couple of verses. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Ooh, sometimes Proverbs is just so great. And what this is saying is not uh, the, the, the leech keeps on saying, give me more, give me more. And the context of Proverbs 30 is actually talking about uh, desperately needing God and not just consuming for ourselves. So this proverb is saying, the leech has two daughters, give me more and give me more. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. The grave, a barren wound, land which is never satisfied with water and fire which never says enough. And if you go through Proverbs 30, you'll see these three references and then enough and a fourth one that completes them. And these these truths that are dropping in this truth is saying to us, we need to be people that know when enough is enough. Not I'm going to follow the world's pattern. Maybe you prayed for provision to get a house and now you've got that house. And what's your next thought? How do I pay it off? 
How do I get another house? How do I get a bigger house? And when you get that house, what's the next thought? How do I pay that off? How do I get a bigger? How do I get two, three houses? How do I make houses look, how's my house better? How can I take a better photo so it looks better than someone else's house? Or when I get my first job and then I need more money, I need this, and it's just a continual increase of give me more, give me more. But the goal of a Christian should not be a leech, right? And that shouldn't be a Sunday. Pastor Benaiah, Charlie, give me another message. More, oh, I got enough. I didn't like. I didn't get enough of that this morning. Oh, but uh, I come to church to give. A Christian comes to church to give. A Christian goes to work to give. A Christian walks into their family to give. A Christian spends time with God to give Him praise. A Christian lives to give. Do you get things? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Will that dry up if you don't give? Yes, 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 yes. And if we can live a life that follows a design, I'm going to give you a design that I think is a good design, that you can take today's message and actually do something with it rather than becoming a greedy little piggy. Said it again. You're welcome, Alex. Two times, another one's coming. I want to be someone that knows this isn't, God, I thank you. I'm actually full. This is enough. I'm going to go pour this out. Not I get to the end of a service and I'm like, oh, next Sunday, I need it. I can't wait till next Sunday. No, I've got something. I've got to do something with it, baby. Sound good? So the third thing, the what was enough is enough. Uh, the why was uh, satisfaction is attainable via design. And these are the hows. Audit, act, and again. Uh, audit is, is this thought. Um, how much do you need before you share, you greedy little pig boy? It's on the screen. I added pig boy there. You like that? Yeah. Pig boy was never a mistake. I was leading to this moment. Now, get the keys up. Alter call. No, just joking. It's fine. Um, are you someone, this scripture in 2 Kings uh, 22 verse 7 is actually saying, don't audit these people because they've proven to be faithful. You don't need to check their work because they're faithful people. The question is, an audit is required if faithfulness is in question. And with me, I want to question my faithfulness. I want to question, God, is there anything in me that offends you? God, is there anything in me? Is there a giant log in my eye? Is there an issue here? Am I managing this incorrectly? Am I trying to hustle like the world to get the world's results? Or do I learn how to rest to get God's results? Do I know how to follow a design that is better? And the first step to, to being a church that isn't just leeches or greedy little pig boys is to be people that will take a genuine account of their own life. Not your own service. Have you got enough services to get into heaven under your belt? Do you do enough volunteer hours to get an award at the end of the year? But is your daily life overflowing with the things of God? I, I can't measure that for you, but if you will be someone that will design your life to actually check in, not just run and, and just, I've got to get more, we've got to pay off this house. Some people own houses and you shouldn't own a house. Did you pray about it? Did you ask God about it? Was it just something that sounded good? I got to this stage in my life. I did this thing. I need a new car. I need another thing. We have to stop and not be that leachy mentality. We need to take a good audit of our life. In fact, what if God gave you 10 times more of everything that he has given you? What would occur? 
Would you have anything at the end of the day still? Would you still not have enough time to disciple someone? Would you still not have enough energy to spend time with him? Would you still not have enough energy or, or finance to pay for that table at a restaurant? Can you be faithful now? Is this challenge and this question in 2 Kings says, these guys were faithful, you don't need to audit them. I want to live that type of life that when people look at me, you don't need to check in and make a test and run them through all these requirements. I want to audit my own walk with God. Does that make sense? The second thing is if you want to not be a leech, is take action. This morning's message, what action do you take place? Last Sunday's message where Pastor Bernardo is challenging us around being people that focus on the unseen, not the seen. Did you champion someone in their eternal calling this week? Or were you excited about week three of the Overflow series to find out what other thing you're going to hear about? Or do we act upon it? Did we work out, okay, this is how I should encourage. That didn't work this week. I I missed that moment. This is, I was was too hesitant. I was too afraid. I should have been more bold. This person deserves the truth and I want to speak it. Do we act on the things that God is placing on the inside of us? And there's this thought, act on what you know as soon as you know it. I loved running a connect group when I was 14 in our youth ministry. Did I know everything? No. Was I ready to disciple Jeff, who was 21, with his fiancée? No, I was not. And I still don't know why he was in our youth ministry at that time. I blame Pastor Nat, my connect leader. Letting every adult in, doing their thing. But I knew something. I knew how to read Psalms. I went through this, this phase in our youth ministry. I was never a good reader before, but I felt God prompted me to read Psalms every day. As in like Psalm 1 to 150 every day, right? Like insane stuff. The kind of stuff that your parents start thinking, have you joined a cult because you're, something weird has occurred. There's a passion that's happened. There were some things that I just knew. I, knew. I knew that I was supposed to be generous. And soon as you know something, church, do something with it. Again, last Sunday, be people that speak the unseen. You know that now. You don't give an account to me or a board or a movement or a connect leader. You give an account to him. And if you audit your actions, you may find, oh, I should be celebrating this more. I should fan this in a flame more. I've dropped the ball over here. I need to get help here. I need better input because my output's not working. Let's be the type of church that come back to this thought in Acts where God's people... Jesus' followers are described as people that are in the way, not people that are standing in the way like you and someone stopping you from getting the last KFC wing tonight at Band of Brothers. Come along to Band of Brothers. We have catered KFC. Get excited. And if you're a vegetarian, please bring your own food. We have not catered for you. But not that type of in the way. In other words, I follow the ways of Jesus. So people say, man, that guy followed, he's like Jesus. He's following the way. The question is, in your faith, in your family, are you known for people in the way or have you just mastered what to say? This is what I'm supposed to say. I'm going to come up to Pastor John and tell him his message was great today because that's something I should say. It is not as powerful as you living it out in your own life. You knowing there's a bird, and that bird is very excited. That is fantastic. For everyone online, there is a crow outside that needs to be fed. Tony, please help the crow. Oh, it's a magpie. Sorry, I don't know birds. Equality of birds. Um, will you be someone, church, this, this challenge? I can say the right thing. 
Hallelujah. Testify, Sparrow. Um, how was it going to be if it was a toucan and it came in and it attacked someone? No, that wouldn't be fun. Um, actually, it looks like a pig. It looks like a greedy little pig out there. No, it's not. Um, oh, thank you, Jade. Oh, look at that mum on host, just closing windows, helping me out. Thank you so much. That's what it looks like to do something, church. Um, <laughs> Is there a phone I can hear? No, that's fine. Last Sunday reference for Pastor Benoit. Um, Be someone that doesn't just know what to say, but is living in a way that your workplace or family or perhaps your spouse that you live with or the kids that you're trying to raise, see someone that is actually taking what God has given, overflowing it in a way that is not a greedy little pig boy, but is taking it and giving it to the people around them. So first, take an audit. Second, look at your actions. And third... Baby, do it all over again. Matthew 7, 3 beyond gives us this imagery that Jesus followers are supposed to be people that know how to take the log out of their own eye. Because we can, we can look at our world and say it's getting worse and worse and the schools and this is, and vapes are everywhere and gender and, and we can have and we can see all of the things that are wrong with our world. The question is our job, my job Your job is to remove logs from what you see. It's to examine and to let God flow through you in a way. And any obstacle, anything that is going to stop me, I'm going to come back around. I'm going to audit again. I'm going to check my actions again. I'm going to audit again. I'm going to check my actions again. I'm going to question my faithfulness again. And then I'm going to question whether I'm living in faith again. My faithfulness, my faith. My faithfulness, my faith. Not because there's a deadline, because we've got celebration offering coming up and we're going to find out if you're generous or not, but because the best things in life don't have a deadline unless we design our lives in the rhythms of God and produce fruit that could only be His fruit because we followed only His way. And we actually have a grace to follow the ways of God, not just parrot the things that he says. There's actually a grace, husbands, for you to lead your family and to speak truth and life over your wife and to know who they're called to be in God and release them in that. There's a grace for that. You don't just need to just do some things. No, you lean into what he wants to pour in so you can actually overflow. On our screen is, I think, a show your work slide. If you need more verses because we didn't cover enough today, congratulations, you can go on the journey that I went on for this message. Where we can look at Psalms, we can look through these what's of, of why enough is enough and being Christians that don't just consume and consume and consume and consume and consume. To know how to design those things and to know what a good order and what good actions and good again looks like. So if you need that, you've got that. Ready? Next slide as we conclude. And Cynthia, could you jump up on keys? Or Tony, I don't mind if you bring your bird up and you could do some stuff. No? Okay. The warning I want to give us this morning, church, is whether we overflow or we become overgrown. We actually become tangled up in the very things that God gave us, but because we don't pour them out, we become mangled. We no longer become a vessel that God can pour his praise through and pour his truth through and pour his peace through. We become, I've got to hold it to myself. 
And finances are simply just such a clear and easy thing to address. It's right on the surface, it's on your bank account, how you faithfully use your finance to overflow, not just to God's house, but to your city. How you allow your provider to provide through you, not just to you. I want to be a Christian that knows, okay, this is what I need. I'm going to be faithful with it. But soon as God gives me grace, and soon as he pours in slightly more, I will pour out. And I, I won't hoard. I won't get greedy. I won't have any leaks. But I'll intentionally pour myself out. So this week, like Pastor and I shared, we were speaking to pastors down the coast, up the coast. That is us pouring ourselves out as a church. Be refreshed. Be life. Remember who you are in God. We talked about improvements, but then we spoke the unseen over nine different churches this week as a church family. That is awesome. But that is overflowing. Imagine Celebration Church overflowing, not just on a Sunday. That would be nice. Love it. Fantastic. Overflowing everywhere, all of the time. Horrifically, kingdom here, kingdom there, kingdom everywhere. Write that down, Cynthia, that's a new song. Could you be someone that has an appetite to overflow? Actually an appetite to pour yourself out until there's nothing left and then you have to come back to God and say, God, I poured it out. Now prove your faithfulness and pour in again. I'll prove my faithfulness by pouring myself out. You prove your faithfulness by pouring in again. And then I'll do it again. And we'll take turns in bringing kingdom to earth. He'll pour it in the follower and the follower will pour it out into others. Does that make sense? There's a slight recap thing on the screen. And then I'm going to wreck your life forever, if that's okay. The simplicity of today's message is that we want to be shepherds. We want to be people that follow the good shepherd and pour out in difficult seasons. Do we want to know when we have enough and actually articulate it and pour out the blessings instead of hoarding to ourselves? Do we want to audit? Do we want to take action? And we want to do it all over again. But I want to lead us to an image. And the image is on our screen. This is called um, a Skinner box. And this box is an experimental box in mouse labs. And this box is what the infinite loop is designed off. This box is a rat sits inside of this little box and there is a lever. And when they push that lever, occasionally food comes out. And over time, different versions of the Skinner box, some have lights, some have sounds and triggers and they're doing a whole bunch of experiments. But one version is just there's a lever and food drops sometimes and others. And what a mouse or a rat works out is all I've got to do is keep on pushing this thing again and again and again and again and I'll eventually get the thing that I want. For an infinite loop, that's a little bit of dopamine on your video. For a mouse, it's a little bit of food. For Christians, it's more Christian information. It can be our own righteousness. It can be memorizing enough verses it can be our attendance. It can be the things that if I just, I'm just going to keep on going. I'm going to get, and then, but what is the purpose of it? The purpose of the local church, the purpose of a Jesus follower is to take Jesus out. 
The purpose of a local church is not to increase our serving or to increase our connect groups year over year metrics. That is a business. The church is to help you to live in the ways of God, not memorize the things you're supposed to say. It's so that you would grow in your spirituality, independent to a relationship with a pastor or a preacher or a keyboardist or a drummer. That you would take it and design your life to follow his ways in such a way that you know there may be some things that get extra, there may be some faithfulness and some way following things, but when the food drops, I don't have to, and I just don't have to design my Christian faith like this. I don't have to let myself be in a little box and do the right things and get enough blessings and then do it again and then get a little bit more and just a little bit more, just a little bit more. I can actually get outside of the box. I can leave those experiments of Christianity and say, no, I'm going to follow the ways of God. You give it to me, I'll flow through. I'll go to that village and I'll make disciples. I'll go where you lead me, Holy Spirit. I'll go into my workplace and I'll share the Holy Spirit there, not trap him here on a Sunday. I'll read my Bible at home, not just here. I'll feed myself. I'll live a life that lets His glory and power and might flow through me every time I take a breath. And this morning, church, whether it's a simple example inside of social media or this dirty little rat box, I pray that we would be a type of church that overflows, really overflows, not blaming our season or our valley or our circumstances, but just takes what he has given us and pours it out for others. Maybe you got in this room because you don't think anyone poured it out. You're just here by chance. You visited a website, not knowing how many hours went into the website. Maybe you, you think you're in church, not because anyone encouraged you, even though they did. Maybe you weren't in a connect group, but you found faith and you, and you, you can't equate it to a leader. But let me tell you, you are living in someone else's overflow. May generations live in yours. Students, may your high school live in yours. Parents, may your kids live in your overflow. Because you're just faithful with what he's doing. I'm going to give it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Can we stand this morning as we conclude today's service? God, we thank you that we get to choose what we follow. We want to follow your patterns. We want to follow your rhythms. We want to follow your voice. We just want the unseen. And God, over our church's finance, when our world looks like it is a valley, I just speak overflow. In sicknesses and people waiting for medical results and cancer diagnoses, autoimmune conditions, colds, all of it. When the scene looks darker and darker, I speak overflow. I speak your healing and your protection and your kingdom. Over our family members that seem far and distant from you, I speak overflow. May you pour in our life in such a way that it bears witness to the God that we serve, that they would see your goodness, that they would see your faithfulness. 
And right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw all of the noise, all of our attention to your call, to your voice. And may it draw us to maybe a person this week, maybe a workplace, a room, a classroom, even prophetically, a face that maybe we've never seen before, that you would give us a vision, a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, that you would give us some encouragement, some financial provision, a prayer, that you would drop something right now and that we would not hold it, but we would give it. Let him draw your attention. Let him give you his heart, why he's giving you that. And the state of the person and the brokenness of the situation and how the answer is in the unseen. He wants to give it to you. Speak, Holy Spirit. May we master what it is to listen, Holy Spirit. Just with your eyes closed, I just feel a a message over our house and I think there's a there's a bunch of people in here that this is for um, you've been living just bombarded by the scene and even to the point where you just genuinely feel unseen by him The circumstances haven't shifted yet and the storms haven't calmed yet and the opportunities and the doors haven't opened yet and you're just kind of sitting there being like, like, am, am I invisible? Like what? He just says again and again, you are seen. He sees you. He sees the storm. He sees the dark rooms. He sees the thoughts. He sees the brokenness. He sees the unanswered prayer and he sees you. He's not done. Circumstances will change. But in the midst of them, would you let him draw you into the unseen? Where he declares light before the sun. Where he says you are healed before the results have come in. Would you let him draw you in to the unseen? To live seated above? Holy Spirit, for those people in the room that just that word just hits them and drops them, I just speak your nearness and your closeness. I speak intimacy over them. I speak, I speak your wing over them and your safety and your protection over them. I pray that you would surround them this week. They'll go into circumstances where the scene has been screaming at them, but there would be a confidence that comes only from you. May it fill their being and may it overflow from them. 
I ask Holy Spirit this week, as our church goes out, that we would see the opportunities you've already given us in this service. Those faces, those people that we would not walk away from them, we would not forget them, but we would be a church that overflows so that people that are dying are saved. People that are in darkness finally see light. May we be the type of church this week that has testimony, not of our greatness, but of your overflow in our lives. If you're just with your partner, if you're in a a marriage right now, I just want you to put your hand on them. I pray, Holy Spirit, this week over the marriages in our church, I pray that there would be a fresh unity, a fresh encouragement, a fresh exhortation. I pray over the parents in this room that you would begin to give fresh visions and dreams for generations under their care. I pray that there would not be two people living in a home together, but there would be a one unit bringing heaven to earth. So be with us this week, Holy Spirit. May you overflow in every area of our life and may we not stop pouring out the things of God to those around us. In Jesus' name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.